Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. A couple announcements that I just want to make mention and just kind of underscore uh, for today. Uh, first of all, for all our men, please do not forget tonight men's discipleship. Amen. You know, we are living, how many believe we're living in the last days? Raise your hand. Amen. Well, let me tell you something. You know, there's all kinds of predictions, and they go from this extreme to that extreme. And the truth is, is we don't really know other than what the Word, God, Word of God tells us. And sometimes we have to use a little bit of, of interpretation to figure it all out. But the one thing is for sure is that we are in the last days, and the Bible does say this. The Bible says that perilous times will come. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I know, this is what I know, is that being in Christ, I am safe. Can you say amen? The, amen. Praise God. Now, the thing is, is that I have to maintain that. Amen? And I maintain that. One of the ways to maintain that is through the fellowship of the brethren. Amen. So I know you could sit home tonight and go, you know what? I just, ah, I don't need to go to that. No, you need to come out, be stirred. It rubs shoulders with some men and have some fellowship and be encouraged because there may come a day, I pray not, but there may come a day that that opportunity is not given to you anymore. And then you'll go, I wish I could go to church. Is that, is that too hard? Okay, so... For all the folks out there that are the pro prophets that want to prophesy all that, come to church now. Hallelujah. Let's, let's have a good time in Jesus. And also, I want to make mention that uh, our pool party is coming up. Amen. And this is an opportunity to show off your brand new bathing suit. When I go swimming, I go like this. We want, the, we want this covered up because it's really white, and so what happens is it shines and blinds people, and it's, it's, yeah, I get really red quick. So that's going to be Friday, 6 o'clock at the downtown pool. Uh, so uh, bring, a, bring a, a, a picnic, bring your own picnic if you want to. If you don't, you don't have to, uh, but just come on out, be a part of that. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 73, and we'll get to that here in just a second. If you can put my title page up, that would be appreciated because I need that for the start. Amen. <laughs> I know uh, this morning that it's a funny title for a sermon, but we'll get to that here in just a minute. A couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from Rosemary, and she said something I thought I would never, ever hear in a million years. Calmly and quietly, she said, the ladies who pray on Tuesday mornings in the prayer room said there's something very large and alive in the prayer room. I said, what? She goes, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really big. Oh my God. And then she said, and there was a pause, and she says, 
I think, she goes, they think it's a lizard. Well, I could tell you that my mind went into overdrive. And within just a few seconds, Tyrannosaurus Rex was living in our prayer room and had invaded. And I and I alone was to face it. Now, I know that that's a little dramatic, but when I got a grip and remembered that we lived in the desert and lizards are more common than people, I began to relax. And I told myself, this is just another moment in life that needs to be faced with calm and reason, not fear and imagination. Can you say amen? Then I began, as I thought about that, I actually <clears throat> went back and, because actually it was, we weren't talking on, I think actually we talked on the phone, and then I texted Rosemary, and I texted her back. I said, there's a lizard in the prayer room. I said, that would make a great title for a book. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, yeah, that'd make a great title for a sermon, because I got thinking about it. I got thinking about it, and I wondered how many times just like I, others have done what I did. Rather than facing the difficulty and the disappointment with calm and godly reason, we allowed fear and imagination to take over. Amen. Does how many know that sometimes in life there are difficulties and there are disappointments? And sometimes they can be larger than just a silly lizard in a prayer room somewhere. Sometimes they can be life-altering and they can be life-threatening. And one thing is for sure is that these difficulties and these disappointments can be weights that twist us up and wear us out. And so I want to I speak to you from my heart today and I want to share with you what, what I really, really want because I've noticed this. I've, I've noticed this probably primarily in my own life, but I've noticed this in others as well is when difficult moments come, whether they be a disappointment or whether it be a setback or whether it be a, a, a bad news or, or some sort of thing that's not working out the way we want, oftentimes our response to it, our initial response to it, is what determines how well we're going to do through it. And so one of the things that I want to communicate to you and I want to share with you is I want to talk to you about your response, my response, your response, to the things that go on in life. Because the reality is we know, we've lived enough life to know that there are difficult moments. We can look back into the Bible and we can look even into the life of Jesus and see that there were moments of difficulty. There were moments of disappointment. Amen. Paul's life, Peter's life, we could go back into the Old Testament and we could see these difficult moments and these, these disappointments and these setbacks and these kinds of things. But the thing that I've noticed that in the Word of God is there was always a response that was godly <coughs> or that was healthy, especially from those that we mentioned like, like Jesus and, 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 and Paul and Peter and David and others. They responded well. And so I, I, I want to talk about that because I, I don't think people always respond well. Let me, let, me, let me strike that. I don't think I always respond well. 
Amen. I think sometimes what happens is things happen, things come my way, and a difficulty will come, and all of a sudden I'm responding in a way that really is actually emphasizing the disappointment and emphasizing the difficulty <coughs> and making it even a little bit more difficult. In fact, and sometimes I respond in such a way that it'll make, me, make it impossible for me to overcome. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So let's look at Psalm 73. And I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture here. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a little tickled. And I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible because I just love the way he puts this. And I know that I'm taking the time to read. I'm reading about 17 verses, but you'll understand. Amen. So it starts off, it says, No doubt about it, God is good. Good to good people, good to the good-hearted. But I nearly missed it, missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. Pretentious with arrogance, they wear the latest fashions and violence, pampered and overfed, decked out in silly silk bows of silliness. They jeer using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths, disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? <clears throat> Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If I had given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture. <laughs> I love this passage of Scripture. I particularly love it in the message because it's just raw. It's honest. It really is where we live. And here is showing us a response to something that is very real because in, the, in our text, the writer of Psalms, this, this man named Asaph, David didn't write this psalm. A man by the name of Asaph wrote this song. He is kind of giving us the rest of the story as it were. He begins by making a very deliberate and emphatic statement. He goes, no doubt about it. God is good. And he, and he goes on and he says, he said, you know what, this was costly. Because that, that cost him something to get to that conclusion. He had to figure this out. This was not some empty, uh, flippant, or cliche statement for the writer. He had, he had to go through some things to come to the place where he had the conclusion that God is good. See, I, I think the problem with some Christianity is, is that we tend to throw out statements that we have not mined out ourselves. It's, it's what I call the bumper sticker Christianity. It's, it's we throw these, these platitudes out, but they have no meaning really in our hearts or our minds because we have not fought for them. We have not worked them through. We have not, uh, as it were, purchased them. 
They're not ours. They're somebody else's statement. See, because there's something about going through a difficult moment with victory, going through a difficult moment in faith, going through a difficult moment with Jesus that produces something very, very real in your life. But he doesn't start out. He starts off and he tells us the end of the story. But when he really begins to look at this, he's looking at something that he can't make heads or tails out of. He's going, wait a second, the wicked, man, they're prospering. They're, they're getting everything. I, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm playing by the rules. I've washed my hands in innocence and, and I've done well and I, I've done right and it doesn't seem to work. But these guys, they're just loud mouths. They're running their mouth, they're doing stupid things, and they seem to get everything. I mean, he's living with some disappointment, can you say amen? He even comes to a place where <coughs> he says, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Have, let's just, can we just be honest just for a moment? Have you ever felt that way? Now, I don't, don't misunderstand, let me... Let me be clear here. I believe God is on the throne, and I believe God is in control, and I do believe with all my heart that God is everything he says he is, and I believe that God is at work even when I can't see it. Okay, but in my humanity, there are moments when I look around and I begin to wonder, where is God in all of this? Where is he at? And this is what's happening. He goes, nobody's tending the store. He, he says, I've been stupid to play by the rules. Amen. And there's many that will say the same thing. And maybe you're here this morning. You're frustrated. You're angry. Maybe you're bitter, and all you can seem to do is question God. It's a reality. Now, I know if, if we stop for a moment, this is where it gets tough on us because we all know better, don't we? We all know that we shouldn't question God. We know we should be patient. We know getting frustrated and angry is really wasted energy, but somehow, some way, we end up there anyway because we're dealing with reality of life. We're dealing with the problems of our life, and we don't understand why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Why won't things change? And I wonder, I wonder this morning how many will resist the temptation just to hide in denial and say, no, no, that's not me. See, the thing I had to do is I, I've come to grips with some things. I've had to learn to get honest with God and myself. There are moments when I am not happy I know that's hard for you to believe because it's like you're the happiest dude we know. You're always happy. You always got a smile. No, sometimes I'm struggling, and in the midst of that struggle, I have to get honest with it. I have to get honest with God and myself. Can you say amen? Because it's going to require a response from me. And if I'm not honest about it, if I don't get honest, then what I begin to do is I begin to compare. Literally, what I do is I put God on trial. Can you say amen? I begin to put God on trial, and what happens is I begin to compare. 
I begin to look at lives around me. I look at other churches. I begin to believe that every other church other than this one has it completely easy. There is no problems. There are no people problems or difficulties or situations. I and I alone have to face all of the difficulties. There's a flipping lizard in the prayer room. Hey, people in the prayer room, there's a lizard in the prayer room. (coughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I begin to think, oh, that's the epitaph. That's the epitaph of my ministry. That when I die and they put on my gravestone, there was a lizard in his prayer room. No wonder things were so tough. (laughs) You know, and so I just... You ever get to that point? You ever get to that point of frustration and it's like, man, what's going on? You look at other marriages and you think, well, man, they don't, I don't think they fight ever. I think they hold hands in the worst of moments. They hold hands and they love each other and they just swoon. Everything's peaceful. Well, here's the thing. The reality is that's, that's a show for you. <laughs> That ain't reality. If you, if you were to put a camera in the house, you'd probably see something a little bit different. Or have you ever, how, how about this? Have you ever looked at, has somebody ever come to you and say, who is your favorite child? None of them are yours. <laughs> you know, man, if I had their kids, I could have revival. You know, the other day, I, 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 this actually happened the other day. This, this is why I'm saying this is, this is something I've literally mined out. So most of you know Andy, my son, Andrew. <clears throat> so if you don't know, my son, Jason, is the keyboard player. My son, Andrew, is the guy that opened the service. And my daughter, Amy, is sitting right there. And so they're all living for God. They're, they're, Andy and, Andy and uh, Jason's wives are living for God. Their children are living for God. They're just babies, but they're, we're, they're living for God. Alex, Amy's fiance, is living for God, and they're in the ministry and doing all of that. And the other day, I was sitting in the, in the office, and it was during the 1030 service, and the, and the live stream was on, and, and Andy was opening service, and I was watching real quick on my iPad, and Andy kept talking. He kept preaching. He kept, he's preaching. And I'm like, well, I'm the preacher here. And there was a guy standing in the office with me, and I went, man, he's got to shut up, man. He's, dude, come on. And I went, I looked up at him, and I went, CJ. And I looked at CJ, and I went, CJ, I got to tell him, you know, I got to deal with this problem. And then it hit me. It hit me. The problem that you got to deal with is that your son is preaching too much. And I'm going, you know, I probably really ought to just shut up. (laughs) 
Because, you know, sometimes what happens is we get into these moments and our response to what's going on is we, 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 we're, because we're responding to outside external pressure, we're responding to what other people think, we're responding to whatever, what you think other people's expectation, we're obsessing over somebody's obsession about you, we're trying to get into other people's minds and all this stuff is going on and swirling and we get right where he's at, we go, what is going on here? And our response is actually making it worse. And so we get into this thing of putting God on trial. This isn't new. People have been putting God on trial for a long time. In Genesis 18, 10 through 15, it says this. Let's read it together. He says, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, I am, old, I am waxed old. Shall I have pleasure with my Lord being also old? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the appointed time I will return unto thee, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he says, Yeah, you did. You laughed. I love the word of God. I love the honesty of the word. Here she is. She's about 90 years old. She's, she's, she's going, Am I, we're, we're going to have a night of passion? I'll leave it right there. She's 90. He's 100. <clears throat> we're we're going to do this thing? And then I'm going to have a baby? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh huh. Her response was to laugh. See, God had given them 25 years earlier, had given them a promise, gave Abraham a promise, you'll be the father of many nations. And up to this point, he's only had a child by Hagar. It's not so far, it ain't working well. So far, things aren't going the way they want them to go. And now the angel of the Lord shows up, and the response to this disappointment was to laugh at it. They go, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I know the Bible says I'll be healed, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I know God will provide. Yeah, right, I know. It's a, it's a level of sarcasm. It's putting God on trial. In Jeremiah 20, verse 7, it says, Oh, Lord, you have deceived me. Jeremiah is speaking. He says, You deceived me, and I was deceived. You're stronger than I, and have prevailed. I'm in derision daily, and everyone mocks me. Jeremiah is going, You know what? You lied to me. You set me up. You told me things were going to be wonderful. Go into the ministry. Go into the ministry. Be a prophet to the nations. That not one has listened to me, no one has changed their mind. In fact, they mock me, and now they're getting violent, and it's getting a little scary. <clears throat> He's putting God on trial, isn't he? In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and 38, it says, An evening came, and Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. 
He was already in the boat, so they started out having left the crowd behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care, God, that my lights are going to be shut off? Don't you care that I, I don't have enough food? Don't you care that, that the rent is not being paid? Don't you care, God, that, 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 that my kids are going sideways? Don't you care? It's a response, isn't it? It's a response. John eleven twenty through 21, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Martha, Mary stayed, sat still in the house, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here. Jesus, if you would have just not been late, if you would have been on time, if you would have responded when I asked you to respond, things would have been okay. What are they doing? They're putting God on trial. And you know what, church? That's what happens is because we all live, we all live with disappointments. We all do. There's always setbacks. There's always disappointments. Jesus said in this life there will be tribulation, but he says be, good, be, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He said, in this world, there's tribulation, there is difficulty, there is setback, there are times of disappointment. But how you respond to it really is going to be critical of whether you're going to be a victim or a victor. Will you be a victim of your disappointment, your discouragement, your difficulty, or will you be victorious over it? And the truth is, the truth is, it depends on our response to it. So here's the question. How do we survive the days of disappointment? Because they're coming. In our text, in verse 17, it says, until I entered the sanctuary of, the God, of God, then I saw the whole picture. Amen. So the first thing that we have to do in our response, the first thing is you need to have a perspective. See, the problem, church, is you cannot respond correctly without the right perspective. If you got your eyes on the wrong thing, you will respond accordingly. This is why, church, this is why the, the, the um, discipline of reading the Word of God is so important. This is why the discipline of prayer. See, when, you, when people say, I just don't hear God, that's because they have no real Word at work in their life. Because as we, what happens, what the Word of God does the Word of God tunes our ears to His voice. It creates a perspective. It changes how we see things. Rather than seeing the glass half empty, we see it half full. It's like the guy that went to Africa to sell shoes. He gets over there, and after a month, he writes back to the home office and said, bring me home. No one wears shoes here. They sent another guy, and after a month, the guy wrote home and said, send all the shoes you can. No one wears shoes here. And what it was, it was just a difference of perspective. 
And that's, what's hap- that's what happened to Asaph. He, he's having this moment. The reason he started off with God is good is because finally he changed his perspective. Finally he went to, the, went to church. And he says, I'm, I, I get this. this. All of this stuff these guys are involved in that I'm so worried about is temporary. There's, there's an end. There's a shelf life to this. But my life is eternal. This is, I'm just passing through this place. I got a home in heaven. I got, I got a mansion on the hilltop. I, I, there's much more for me than just here. But the problem is, is what happens, church, is we get our eyes on other things because we just don't have the discipline of reading his word, studying his word. I've had people come to me, believe it or not, I've had people come to me, and they go, you know what, you're just too deep. See, somewhere along the line, what we got to do is we got to go deeper. We need to go deeper into the Word of God. Why? Because it is our very life. It changes our thinking. It changes our perspective. It changes how we live. It changes what we believe. And it gives us a a fine-tuning to hear His voice. I have so many people come to me and they'll say to me, well, I tried reading the Word, you know, I read it, and and I I just don't understand it. You won't. Not the first time. It takes years. It takes years. It's, 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 a, it's a thing. It's a habit. It's an ingesting of the word, allowing it to grow. Because remember, the Bible's a living book. It's a living book, and it grows inside of you. And somewhere along the line, what he's saying in this, he says, I got an eternal perspective. And we need an eternal perspective. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you grow weary and faint in your mind. Without looking to him and considering him, we grow weary and faint in our mind. But Jesus shows us in the middle of that, it was the joy that was set before him. What he kept his eyes on was the joy. He said, this is a bummer. In fact, Jesus even said in the garden, he said, Father, if there's any other thing we can do, let's do that. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What held him, what held his feet to that place, what held him on track was the joy that was set before him. He had an eternal perspective. We need to get ready. We need to be prepared. Church, this, see this, what the problem is, is we, in society, we've learned how to be what I call crisis managers. We, 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 what we do is we wait, 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 wait until life becomes a crisis and then we try to respond to it. We can't. You, you have to start making decisions when things are good and things are moving smoothly and healthy. We, that's the whole point. What we do is we begin to change our life and prepare now. 
Otherwise, what happens is we become like the character out of Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore. Remember him? Oh, life is horrible. And we just kind of hang our head and... And all we're doing is responding. We go from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis with no victory. Why? Because we're unprepared. Listen, some things just don't always work out the way we want to. They just don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand why, but they just don't work out that way. But look it, just because they don't work out the way they, I want them to does not mean my God changes. My God, listen, my God is a healer all the time. He is a provider all the time. My God is a great warrior all the time. My God never leaves me or forsakes me, ever. That's who he is. His very name declares his nature. He is who he is. And what I do, what I'm learning to do is I'm learning to prepare my heart and put that in me. Because, see, things in this life are subject to change, but he does not change. So my life does not define him. He defines my life. I don't understand why things happen the way they do, but I trust him and I put my faith in him. And I look to him and I say, this is what I'm going to stand on, period. We need to learn to cast our cares on him. You know, we need to learn to talk to him. We need to learn to talk to him. Sometimes I think what we do is we, we, we do one of two things, I think. We either get hung up with style and process and form, thinking, well, am I praying right? Am I doing this right? Am I saying the right words? You know, is, does God know what I mean? You know, we get hung up on that and we kind of get diverted. Or we just, we just don't tell him. We just move over into that place where it's like, well, that's just all too weird. See, God wants to talk to you. You could go to him. You could go to him and say, you know, God, I'm having a bad day. But I'm asking you to help me. I don't understand what's going on. Things aren't working out the way I want them to. But, Father, I know you are in control. Will you help me? I cast this care. I can't fix this. I I can't fix my family. I I can't fix my marriage. I can't fix my home. I can't fix my boss. I can't fix my neighbor's barking dog. I, I can't fix it. But Lord, I can cast this care on you. I can come to you. I, I, things aren't working out the way I want it. I'm disappointed. Think, you know, I got, I got somebody that's bullying me, God. They're, they're saying mean things to me all the time. God, I don't know what to do about it. But I could cast that care on you. I could go to you. And you know what? I'm telling you, God moves in those situations. And listen, you're not going, please, please, church, don't do this. Don't, don't go, you know what, God, just take them out. Kill them. I don't know. Bible says in John, or I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, pray for them, do good to them, bless them. You're going to find that if you'll do that, things will change. You'll blow people out of the water. You'll blow them out of the water. If you love people, that, that if they come to you and yell and scream at you and you just go, you know what, praise God, man. And you walk away and you don't respond in kind, it just kind of, kind of cripples the whole thing because they're waiting for a response. Well, respond. Respond like Jesus responded. Don't, don't, don't make God an Old Testament God. Make him a New Testament God. 
respond in love and grace. So, well, does that mean I just let people walk all over it? No. No, get out of the situation, but respond in love. Love never fails, the Bible says. Ever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you could talk to God about the people in your life. You could talk to God about the situations. And you know what? The, the thing you need to do is you need to remember what he's already done. When you're going through that time, remember. Remember he got you through that. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I was talking with my wife about this the other day. <clears throat> it's funny. Just about every time. It doesn't happen 100% of the time, but I, I would say probably about 95% of the time, just before 8.30 service, probably a half hour before, there's always a heaviness that seems to sit on me. It just comes. And it's just, it just kind of wants to tighten me up. And uh, I, I don't understand it. I know it's a hellish thing. I, I understand that, that hell is wanting to divert my mind and all of that. But in the beginning days, that, the, those moments felt permanent. And I would respond to them as if they were permanent. But now what I realize, what I do is I realize that, hey, you know what? I've gotten through this before. And this is lifted before. Jesus has always been faithful to show up. He's always been faithful to move in people's lives. And that's the point. The devil doesn't want that to happen. So he's, he's throwing this cloud. So this is just nothing but a smoke screen. And even though it feels very, very real, it really is a very real lie. And I've gotten through this before, and I could just push that off and say, you know what, I need to push off. And then if I need help, if I'm not doing so well, I could call somebody in. I could say, hey, just pray. Can you just be here? Can you be with me in this moment? Just, just push aside. If I can't do that, I could talk to Jesus, and I could say, you know what, Jesus, I, this is feeling really he heavy right now. See, I'm learning that my response to what's going on around me changes everything either for the positive or the negative. And if I respond to him, I always win. And then finally, as we bring this to a close, and Jason can come if he, he wants, we need to trust him. We need to trust him. I've preached a lot on Proverbs 3, but that verse is so rich. It's so full. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust him with everything that's inside of you. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. You're not going to be able to figure it out. It's not going to work. Trust him. And then acknowledge him in all your way. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. You know, the great thing about God's direction is it's much more than just God going, go that way. God's direction also contains his ability to get the job done. He, he, he also empowers us to do the thing that he calls us to do. God never gives us an assignment when there's not the corresponding empowerment. Can you say amen? God never will move us in a direction without helping us. And you know, today I, I know I was kind of all over the page, and I know it's kind of a weird sermon. There's a lizard in the prayer room. <clears throat> but I think the point is real. I think that 
think that we all, especially in these days, you know, you know, with just all of the unknown uncertainties, not knowing exactly who to believe is the vaccine, the politicians, the this and that, and, you know, just everything going on. And sometimes it can feel very disappointing. It's like, God, I don't don't know which way to go. Well, I'm going to tell you, God knows exactly where to go. God knows exactly how to do this. He knows exactly. And that's why, church, we need to learn to respond in a way that goes his direction. And sometimes I think probably the biggest thing, probably the key in all of this, is to stop for a moment and then act. Don't react. See, a reaction is like immediate. It's like you just do it. But stop for a moment. Get some perspective. Get some perspective. Get prepared. Be prepared. Trust Him. Talk to Him. Remember that He's got you through other things before. And then respond. Go, okay, I know what I need to do. It's going to be okay. Sometimes, sometimes church, the response that's needed is no response. Sometimes it's be still and know that I'm the Lord. Sometimes it's just, it's like, you know what, this is a moment. It's okay. It's all right. This too shall pass. One of the greatest scriptures in all the Bible is it came to pass. (laughs) I know this has been a thing on my heart for a while because it really is something I've had to learn to do. It really is. It's something I've had to, and I've had to learn while on the job, so to speak, in the midst of it. And there's been moments where I didn't respond so well. I, I, I just didn't. And I got kind of lost in the negative. And I kind of buried myself. And it took a while to dig out. But I'm learning that I can respond in the positive. And, and sometimes I know it may even feel like we're saying, well, are we just lying to ourselves? No, because all this stuff is real. God is real. He's healing. All that he promised, it's real. What it is, is it's standing on it, even though it don't feel real at the moment. And he's saying, I'm going to respond to this. And I'm going to do the right thing. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads just for a moment? <clears throat> Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your goodness, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we ask, God, that as we come to you, that you would help us, God, cause this to be written upon our heart, Lord, this this truth, God, of how we respond, that we would respond to you and not to the situation. And Father, we give you glory and we give you honor. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that you would help them and encourage them and strengthen them. Father, that you would lift them up. And I wonder today, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you would like to, you'd like to give your life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift it up all across this room. Say, you know what? I need Jesus. Amen, I see that hand. Amen, I see that hand. 
Someone else. Someone else. Hallelujah. Would you all pray this with me? That's all. And those of you that raised your hand, pray this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life and I receive your life in return. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, it's the greatest thing you did. And here in a few moments, our ministry team is going to come up. And when they come up, if you would come up and talk to them, they will tell you a little bit more about what you did and, and what's going on. They'll pray with you, they'll bless you, and they'll help you. Amen. And so real quick, before we close, let's just, let's just sing this out just as we close this song. Let heaven come. I'll sing it out, church. Let heaven come let heaven come let heaven come let heaven come let heaven
you for moving in this place. God, we thank you for being faithful to show up every time we call, Lord. God, that God, you are a loving Father that loves spending time with his kids, Father. God, let, let us not forget that. God, let that just penetrate our hearts. Because at the end of the day, Lord, that you are a father desperately in love with his children. God, we thank you. God, we thank you as we leave this place, Lord, that, that you would just give us opportunities, Lord, to share who you are with those that are around us. God, we live in a world, we live in a place that, that is in desperate need for an encounter with Jesus. And we look through all throughout the Bible, and no one who had an encounter with Jesus left the same. God, so let us be that agent. Let us be that tool for an encounter, Lord. God, we submit right now that we are going to be obedient, and we are going to step through the door that you open, God, that we are going to take advantage of the divine encounters that you lay before us, Lord. God, let us be... Let us discern those moments, Father. God, as we leave, let us love on one another. Let us be the love of Jesus that you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team is going to come up. If you have any needs that you need someone to contend with you for, that is what they are here for. Please, you know, love on someone as you leave. If you are new, meet me at the Welcome Center. I got something for you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.